told the kids, today we celebrate the birthday of the church. Now you may be thinking, um, how is this the birthday of the church? Shouldn't that be Easter? The day that Jesus came back? Or shouldn't it be the ascension, the day that he left? Or maybe some other day. Maybe there's something else in your mind that you think is the birthday of the church. But we typically call this the birthday of the church because of what Pentecost is. And if we look at Pentecost and its establishment in the Bible and the record of Pentecost in the Bible, I think we get a little bit better picture. You know, Pentecost was actually established in the Old Testament. So often we talk about Pentecost and we think, oh, well, that's that day when the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. But we don't think about the fact that Pentecost wasn't just simply that day because that happened. Pentecost was that day because God established it years before. It was called in the Old Testament the Feast of Weeks. Over in Deuteronomy 16, uh, it is established one of the times that it's talked about. And he tells you how to do it. That's not our main text today. But it says you're to count seven weeks, counting the weeks from the time the sickle was first put to the standing grain. And you were to celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with the free will offering that you give in proportion to show how the Lord your God has blessed you. Rejoice before Yahweh your God in the place where he chooses to have his name dwell. You, your son and daughter, your male and female slave, the Levite within your gates, as well as the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and carefully follow these statutes. And so in the Old Testament, it was called the Feast of Weeks. Literally, it was seven weeks or 49 days. And on the 50th day is the Pentecost day. It's the day in Greek we call Pentecost. 50, penta, that's the Greek word there, Pentecost. So 50 days from that point. And so we have this celebration of what is known as the early weeks of the harvest in Israel. Now, in Israel you had two harvests in the Bible. You had the early harvest that always took place in May or June. And you had the late harvest that happened in the fall. And so Pentecost was this celebration, was this time of worship set aside because it talked about the early harvest. This is one of the reasons why we consider it the birthday of the church, because it's the beginning of the harvest. 3,000 people got saved that day. You know, Jesus said in the Gospels that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He was looking forward. He knew that the harvest was still to come. The harvest was going to begin, and so the church begins when the harvest begins. And so on that day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, we see this act of God. We see that this stuff is going on, that here is the beginning of the harvest. The early harvest has started. But then in Judaism, it was also considered the day on which God gave the law at Mount Sinai. That's, that's where they considered it. it was, that was the day of the week where Moses came down and gave Israel the law that, that God had given to them. They considered that the same day. It's the reason why they came together to celebrate God on that day. That same law that Jeremiah said in verse 33 of his 31st chapter that would be written on the, on the hearts of those who follow God. What do you think happened on the day of Pentecost? The Spirit came into the believer and the law of God was written on the hearts of those who believed. And so Pentecost is this prophecy fulfilled. Joel also prophesied about the pouring out of God's Spirit over in his prophecy. All of this is Pentecost. And Pentecost wasn't a slouch in the Old Testament. It wasn't like Pentecost was just this day and we kind of day went, eh, you know. We have those days, right? How many of us really, really get into celebrating Arbor Day? 
I mean, we have these holidays. You know, there's a National Cupcake Day, a National Pie Day. There's National Everything Day. And most of those holidays, just we go about them, but we have those holidays that mean something, that we stop and take part in. And in the Old Testament, the Feast of Weeks, the Festival of Weeks, was a big thing. It was a pilgrim holiday. What did that mean? It meant they had to go to where the temple was. They were told here in Deuteronomy that they needed to go and give their offering in the place where God chooses to have His name well. So they were told to go and be there. So sometimes these people lived weeks away from where they needed to be. And they had to travel. They had to start out in the middle and begin to walk and begin to get there. And so there was a big crowd here on Pentecost. Not only that, there were certain acts that were to happen on Pentecost. There were certain prescribed sacrifices that had to happen. Certain things that needed to be done. And all of those things were going on at Pentecost. This was the celebration of the things that God had done and was doing in the lives of Israel. And that's the backdrop of our text this morning. That's what's going on in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost that we find in Acts chapter 2. You know, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus promises the Spirit. He promises the disciples that He is going to send the Holy Spirit. And then He ascends into heaven, and of course they sit there just looking. But then they're reassured by the angels. You're not going to miss Him coming back. He's going to come back in the same way. You're not going to miss His return. So they return to Jerusalem. And they choose a replacement for Judas. Because Judas has killed himself at this point. And then they went to pray. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And there it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. And there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? But some steered and said, They're full of new wine. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time this morning. Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel with the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people say. So what does it have to do with us? I mean, is this something we should be expecting? The wind blew pretty hard yesterday. Should we, should we expect this to happen? I mean, is this something that we, we are, we're doing? How do we experience this kind of thing? How do we get a hold of this? Now, there are several things to me in the account of Pentecost that we have to know in order to experience the power the Spirit gave that day today. And the first one is, the Spirit didn't come until the people were together. The Spirit didn't come until the people were together. 
He didn't just, Jesus didn't just come and say, okay, you get it. You get it. You know, he's not Oprah. He didn't say, you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit, and you get the Holy Spirit. He waited until everybody came together. He waited for this day. He waited until they were all together in the upper room in the same house. He waited. This is important. Why? Because God didn't send the Spirit to remain individually. He waited until they were all together in one place. He waited 50 days from the resurrection. He waited 9 to 10 days from the ascension. The Holy Spirit is meant for community. When He sent the Spirit, it was at a very specific time. Everybody was together. And He knew they were going to be together. How? Because those who followed Him were good Jewish people. And this was Pentecost, the festival of weeks. They would all be in Jerusalem. And if they all knew each other and they all followed Jesus, they would all meet together because nobody else wanted to meet with those who were with Jesus. He knew the entire congregation of disciples who had followed Him were going to be there. And in that moment, He came and poured out His Spirit. It's meant for community. It's given equally to believers at the same time. It was done fully so that no one could claim to have more than someone else. That's why in this initial time, yes, people later got it at a different time because they came to know Jesus and the Spirit would come upon them. But in this time, he didn't want to give it to Peter and Peter only so Peter could say, look at me. He didn't want to give it to John and John only so John could say, look at me. He didn't want to give it to his mama and his mama only because, you know, mama probably needed it. She'd already carried the cross child. She already had the Spirit in her once before. Who was more prepared than mama? But he didn't just give it to her. He waited until they were together in the upper room and he gave them the Spirit, this gift, while they were together. This is one of the reasons assembling together for worship is so important. Holy Spirit works much more efficiently through community because it was a gift to the community. Did you, do you realize that it's very hard to give a gift if you had no one to give it to? It's hard to use a gift on yourself. Now, I know there are some of us who say, well, I buy my own birthday gift because I know what I like. But it's not the same, right? If you buy your own gift, you kind of walk back and you go, well. But if someone else knows you well enough and they buy the gift you absolutely love, how special is that? The one thing that you wanted. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what the apostles needed. That's what the disciples needed. That's what they needed. They needed to know what it was that was going to happen. They needed to know they weren't going to be alone. It's not a coincidence that God didn't pour out the Spirit until they were all together in one place. Because the Spirit is a gift to community. But also, God poured out His Spirit through a visible manifestation. This scene. I'm sure this scene had to invoke both excitement and panic on the part of the disciples. If the roof was on fire in here today, we probably wouldn't sit still trying to find out what was going to happen with the flames. They were in the upper room together. They were praying to God and saying, whatever they were to say, God, protect us from these people. God, show us what you have for us. God, we're waiting for the power. We're waiting for the Spirit. And suddenly there was this sound like a mighty rushing wind. A wind that was going to knock everything down. You ever have one of those? You're sitting in the house and the walls go, come sit in here one night when the wind's blowing the doors are locked. It feels like the whole place is going to shake apart because those doors back there will rattle the whole time. Man, the sound was coming through here. And suddenly there were tongues of fire. 
Because y'all know me, I like fire, so I probably wouldn't run. But, uh, you know, that's what's going on. There is this, and that's a whole lot of fire. There's a whole lot of people in that room together. I mean, this is a major event. Why did God do this? God never does anything without a reason. Why would God make this scene? Now, there's some lessons we could go and take in the wind and the fire. We could, we could go through and, and, and theologize those and take them and, and say, oh, the theology of the wind, the theology of the fire. But, but there's another reason for me that's more important. God doesn't do things in secret. God doesn't do things in secret. This wasn't handy from anyone. This wasn't something that, that, that God said, shh, don't tell anybody I've given you this gift. This was such a scene that a crowd gathered outside. Man, we live in our pain, right? When the sirens go off and you hear fire trucks, what do all of us do? We go to the door and we look outside. That's what was going on. This sound of this wind was so great that everybody in town, all the Jews who were in Jerusalem, began going, what's going on? What is this? Well, what is this sound? What's, what's happening here? Well, what is this going on? And they began to come look. And when they come to look, suddenly those who were in the upper room, they began flowing out of the house. And they were speaking in languages they didn't know before. They were saying things that they didn't know how to say. They, they were doing all this stuff, and these people were going, you're, you're, from, you're from Galilee. How do you know my language? You're, you're from Galilee. How do you know the language of Mesopotamia? You're from Galilee. How do you know the language of Leon? I must be a prophet. I said sirens and all my fire department left. Good gravy. Jesus be with whoever is out there. In Jesus' name. Here they are, talking in these languages they've never heard, speaking. And God did this because He doesn't do things in secret. Throughout history, including today, people claim to have secret knowledge from God. They do. I got a secret. How many of us saw the books that were out there, the Bible code? That's what, 20 years ago now? Computers came out and somebody said, I ran the Bible through a computer and I found a secret code where God's talking to people. God doesn't work that way. That's not what God does. You know, the Gnostics, what they would say, the ones that most of the New Testament are fighting against, they would say, we have a secret knowledge that we'll share with you that God has given to us. And so what happens is people begin to take these secrets and peddle them for money and peddle them for power, but God doesn't work that way. God doesn't do things in secret. When you look in the Old Testament, when God wanted to bring the people out of Egypt, what did He do? He sent plagues. Very visible plagues. They weren't small things. Let's turn the water to blood. Let's bring gnats. Let's bring flies. Let's bring frogs. Let's bring everything upon these people you could ever imagine. It was a visible sign. In the wilderness, God gave them miracle after miracle after miracle. Big miracles. Last week when we talked about, was it last week? With the manna running out, their miracles had been seen. And it said those miracles that everyone else had witnessed made the people's heart melt with fear that God's people were coming in. These miracles are not something that are hidden. 
getting miracles. The resurrection of Jesus and his subsequent showing of himself, he didn't try to hide that. He could have come back and stuck it in the night and said, hey guys, I'm back. He didn't do that. He came out and said, here I am for all to see. You know, I used to listen to Carmen a lot. Who, who am I kidding? I still listen to Carmen a lot. And Sundays on the way is one of my favorite songs ever. If I'm feeling down, I will put that song on because, man, there is that point. There is that point. <laughs> and then, God comes. It's, he has so many songs like that. And there's one song where he says, the devil's on the phone with death. He says, chill out, devil. It's good. He ain't coming. Oh no. Oh no, and he screams. Somebody's messing with the stone! This wasn't something he hid. He came back and he showed it. God doesn't do things in secret. I am never shocked when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, your sermon matched completely up what we talked about in Sunday school. Or when I hear someone else or I talk to a friend of mine and they're like, man, I was in this passage Sunday morning and I'm going, you were too? That never surprises me because God doesn't do things in secret. He doesn't do things in a way that, that are nefarious where people are going to go, well, you shouldn't do that. I had a person one time who didn't like series. And so every time I would start a series, they would come and say, we're well, just downloading your sermons because I've heard that series before. And I'm thinking, people have been preaching for 2,000 years. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And the, the, the message only says one thing. Sooner or later, we're going to sound a lot. We're going to say the same thing. That's how this works. That's how it happens. God doesn't do things in secret. It's out there. His entire word, his entire revelation of Jesus is right here. And it's not a secret. You can pick it up and read it. And you can know what it means. When God moves, you'll know it. That's my point today. When God moves, you'll know it. He'll give you a confirmation. If a movement is from God, it will be a movement confirmed, not a movement hidden. God's people don't hide themselves away in order to not be tempted by the world. Most of us in the room probably know Jim Jones, correct? He started out in the Disciples of Christ denomination. And then he went off the deep end. And he took his entire congregation and moved them to the middle of the jungle by themselves. That's crazy. That's secret. That's something that God doesn't do. God doesn't work that way. So God poured out his spirit through a visible manifestation. But also the spirit gave power to be the witnesses to the acts of God. This is what they said. They didn't say, oh man, that's really cool. That's a tone that nobody knows. They didn't say, that's really cool. You're healing the sick. He said, that's amazing. We can hear them speaking of the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. I read that and I think about how important Bible translation ministry is. <laughs> I can hear them talking about the magnificent acts of God in my own languages. I can hear this. We know this. Sometimes God does this through supernatural means, tongues, or miracles. But sometimes it's a boldness. Sometimes it's a conviction. Sometimes it's a new vision. Sometimes God takes a coward and makes him into a champion. 
He takes a person with uncertain faith and gives him a confident faith. There's Peter. Remember good old Peter? Always sticking his foot in his mouth. Always doing what he shouldn't do. And there on the night of the crucifixion, he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. That's the same man who right after this passage stands up and says, Men of Israel, you think we're drunk. We're not drunk. We are the embodiment and the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And this is all happening because of Jesus, the guy you crucified. And he spoke with boldness in front of the same people that crucified Jesus. In front of the same people who he was afraid of a few days before. God gave him this boldness. Sometimes it's with a peace in the midst of turmoil. Stephen, just a few chapters later, he tells them what's going on. And they stone him. It's a cry. He doesn't wail. He looks up to heaven and he prays for forgiveness. The same power is given to us today. Power to be witnesses. The power to speak with boldness the message that we received. The power to bring salvation to those lost and sick. What Paul was dealing with over in 1 Corinthians was people who thought one gift was better than the other. Well, I want their gift because their gift is visible. Because their gift is seen. I want that gift. And then Paul's like, all your gifts are for the same purpose. To be witnesses to the marvelous acts of God. That's your gift. And, and, maybe, and maybe your gift is, is generosity. I, I, know, I know a lady who she uh, she was gruff. That's a good word. She was gruff. Um, she's very hard to read. And so she was matter of fact and so, in dealing with her, you would start thinking, oh, I don't know if she likes me or not. I don't know if she likes Jesus or not at times. I mean, I was like, what in the world? But then, but then you get to know her. And her gift was generosity. She was one who, if there was a need, if we said, we need $8,000 to fix the roof. She would call me secretly and say, Brother Troy, can we get a check for $8,000? That's just who she was. But her gift was the same as the gift of the person who would sing a special on Sunday morning. Because they were giving witness to the marvelous acts of God. We don't give, especially when we give in secret, we don't give for the glory. We don't give her a pat on the back. We give because God has given to us. The amazing thing about the birthday of the church is we usually give gifts. But the gift that day we didn't give, God gave us. He gave us the power to stand, the power to give, the power to be witnesses to His marvelous acts. The power to tell 
more conspiracy. Before you know it, you're going to be up there handling snakes. I'm not going to handle a snake. Before you know it, you're going to be up there dancing around. I might dance. I won't do it like David did it. But I'll dance. But God gives us a spirit for a reason. It always amazes me how when I'm in my darkest times, a song from someone will pierce through the darkness, reminding me of the marvelous acts of God. When we haven't seen the sun in a week, and someone's testimony reminds me of the marvelous acts of God, and I know that this, too, will pass. power of the Spirit is what gives us the ability to tell others. Do you remember the first time you heard and understood the message of Jesus and His wonderful acts? The first time that you understood that, that whosoever in John 3.16 was you? when you begin to put your name in that spot for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Troy believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life that's the power that God gives us to share that salvation with others you don't have to speak in tongues <laughs> You don't have to heal someone. You don't have to raise the dead. It's let the Spirit lead you into the encounters He has planned just for you. That's the power of the Spirit today. There are hearts out there being formed, being ready for your words. There are people out there who need to hear from you about Jesus. Not from me, not from Matt, not from Barry, not from anybody else. Because God has prepared their heart for your words, for your song, for your love, for your power. We are called to change the world. We are called to be those who go out and say, there is a hope in this dark world. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the world tells you. There is a hope and His name is Jesus. And somebody is out there who is listening for you. The song this morning that we've been joking about the whole time. Somebody's out there and God's calling their voice and they have to stop and listen for that. Because somebody, for somebody, it's your voice. And I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that everyone in this room who knows Jesus should at some point in their life lead somebody to Jesus. Because true disciples make disciples. Maybe this morning you've been playing it to this. You've just been going, well, I like my fellowship. I like my pew. I like singing songs. But I'm not doing anything else. Now's the time to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you. 
I'm going to give, I'm going to let you show me who you have for me. I'm going to let you show me the person whose life I need to speak into because I don't want anybody to go to hell. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. Maybe you lived your life in church and you never made that step. Now's the time. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.